0: Welcome to the WordPress Photography Podcast. The podcast for photographers who want to learn how to get the most out of WordPress to grow their photography business. You don't need to be a geek to understand WordPress. Settle back and listen as we show you how. Now, here's your host, Scott Wyden-Kivowitz.
1: Welcome to episode 32. My name is Scott Wyden-Kivowitz, and today I am not joined by my co-host, Rachel Conley from Photoscribe. Rachel is out sick, and uh, so today it's just me and our guest. And today our guest is my friend Corey Potter. Uh, I got to meet Corey at WPPI in 2016 and now 2017 and WPPI is around the corner. I won't be there. Will you be there, Corey? I haven't decided yet. I'm a last <laughs> minute decider. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know, we, Corey was telling uh, Eric from Imagely and I uh, about what he was up to. And it was—it's been really fun to see him, uh, his his product, his brand grow over the past year, and um, we've uh, collaborated on some things, and uh, I'm sure there'll be more in the future. So uh, let me tell tell you a little bit about Corey. Corey Potter is a father of three, and has been a wedding photographer since 2008. And if, if I'm correct, your wife is your partner. That's right. In the business. Yeah. So they're a, a couple wedding photographer, which is a growing trend in the industry as well. Um, he started learning SEO in WordPress even uh, before he thought about being a photographer. So he's been doing this quite some time. And then he used it to grow a successful wedding photography business quickly. So Corey started Fuel Your Photos because so much advice about SEO was misinterpreted or not specific for photographers. And Corey is one of the prominent SEO educators in the photography industry today. And uh, like I said, uh, I've known him for, for now uh, just over a year, I guess. And, uh, and he definitely knows his stuff. And I'm glad to have him on the show and to share some of his, uh, his knowledge with everybody. And I'm sure this will not be the last episode where we talk about SEO because it kind of seems like uh, Yoast SEO comes up pretty much every episode of this podcast. So um, SEO is a topic that we all know gets talked about a lot. And um, it's nice to have somebody on the show to be able to talk about it with um, great expertise on it. So welcome, Corey. It's great to have you. Glad to be here. Yeah. Um, so before we dive into what's going on with you, let's talk about a little bit about um, uh, the WordPress photography, uh, photography-related news going on. The big one uh, one of the big ones, there's actually three this week, but one of the big ones is that WordPress version 4.7.1 was released um, a week ago from the recording of this episode. And it's a minor update because it's a point release. It's a 4.7.1. However, um, it fixes eight security issues that was in the WordPress core. And they're all minor issues, but it's nice to see... Uh, the The WordPress community uh going full speed on on fixing important security issues because you don't want any security flaws in the software you're using for your business um, so that's out and as always, Richard and I recommend doing backups and uh, making sure that your site's backed up and and then update you know so maybe even give it a a, a day or two I, I guess by time this is out it'll be out now for two weeks so so it's probably time to update by the time this episode airs so Make sure you uh, do that. And we'll link to the to the, uh, change log, the announcement post from the WordPress.org site in the show notes. Um, the next bit is that Imagely released our own Lightroom plugin. This has been in the works since WPPI 2016. Um, we <laughs> spent a lot of time on this on purpose. We could have pumped this out really quick and, and just gotten it out there and, and be done with it. But there's a major issue that, that we had to get past. Um, and we're going to actually do an article on the imagery site about this, uh, related to the next bit of news as well. But, um, basically there's a, uh, this is gonna be kind of technical, but there's something called XML RPC. And that is what majority of Lightroom plugins for WordPress use. And that is how it's basically a remote, remote talking, sort of like a walkie talkie, um, for WordPress. And, And the problem with this is it's made for tiny bits of data for text, uh, for you to approve or or deny a comment, something like that. It's not intended for large chunks of data to be sent, like images. But that's how a lot of these Lightroom plugins are working. So, so to not be blocked by security plugins or by hosting companies, we decided to take a very uh, a different approach and. That approach meant developing an actual desktop application to go along with the Lightroom plugin. So that is now out, and it does not get blocked by any hosting company or security plugins that we are aware of yet.: um, of the type of hopefully ever. You need to put in your uh, WordPress credentials, so you put in your site and your WordPress credentials, and then you put in your FTP uh, credentials, and um, FTP is handled by Lightroom. Itself, and then the um, WordPress credentials is handled by us, and then the application component we built is what talks back and forth with Lightroom and uh, and your WordPress site. And this our that's plugin requires NextGen Gallery. That's a that's a big thing. So it requires NextGen Gallery, and it utilize it's a publishing service. So it utilizes collections, collection sets, and organizes your photos into galleries and albums uh, on the NextGen Gallery side. That's so. cool. Yeah, so this is available for anybody who purchased NextGen Pro, uh, the Themes and Plugins package, or the Lifetime package. Um, And uh, yeah, so it's great to see it out there. And then there's a lot of stuff we're going to add down the road, like we want to do two-way sync down the road and things like that, get proofing to go back to the Lightroom plugin and and whatnot. So really, really cool to finally see it out there. Um, Related news is Automatic, the company behind WordPress.com, and the company founded by Mount Matt Muleweg, who was the original developer of the WordPress software, um, they make the Jetpack plugin. the are very popular. It's used by over 2 million sites. As uh, Rachel and I told you uh, last, last uh, episode, we talked about that. And they just released a Lightroom plugin. So mm-hmm. the article that I'm going to be writing for the Imagely site is to compare the two because you actually can't really compare the two. They're very different, uh, yet complementary So the automatic Lightroom plugin is a simple export plugin. It's not a publishing service. It's just a way for you to get your photo to your WordPress site through Lightroom. Um, And what they do is they require Jetpack. So they're not using XML RPC. They're using Jetpack to to Mm -hmm. do this for you. Um, So if you're not using Jetpack, you can't use the Lightroom plugin. Um, If you are using Jetpack, you can. But again, it's just a simple way for you to get the photo from Lightroom to WordPress in your media library, and that's it. not organized, it's not, nothing. It's just in your media library. Um, so, but the nice thing is your metadata will go with it. If you have a description, it could become your alt text and things like that. So you could um, get ahead of the curve uh, with, as far as SEO goes with, um, with, with the Lightroom plugin. So there you go. That's the better news. Uh, any any uh, thoughts on that, Corey, that you have uh, on any of that news? No,
0: I, you know, I, we saw some people talking earlier about, some um, uh, problems that people have been having with, uh, some caching issues. It's been across multiple hosting companies where I'm not, I haven't figured out the culprit yet, but something interesting, I, I think it must be, uh, related to this, um, recent 4.7.1 or some other plugin that's really popular. That's, that's causing issues, but I think that issue, probably a good idea to reach out to your hosting company and get it resolved.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay, so so we got through the news. Um, what's going on with you? What's, what's going on with your wedding business with uh, Feel Your Photos? What, do, what, are you, what are you up to?
0: Well, with the wedding business, uh, it's been really uh, kind of quiet, especially just because of the season right now, but also mm-hmm. because I have skilled back to photography business just to have time to focus on search engine optimization and um, WordPress and, uh, you know, all kinds of things like that. But I'm doing, um, a few weddings here coming up in the spring. So I'm excited to kind of stay active as a wedding photographer, but not have it be the only source of income for the family so that we don't have to like be working all the time. We were doing, you know, 40 plus weddings a year for several years in a row. And it was just, whenever we started to get, um, whenever we had three kids, it was like, well, I don't know if we want to do that many weddings anymore. So we scaled it back. And uh, last year we only did like 15 and this year I'll probably only do around 10, but I'm still trying to stay active because I do love wedding photography and um, you know it's nice to be connected to what's going on in the photography industry as well. Um, you know, yeah,
1: I, I definitely find it important as, as someone who is a photographer, but you know, is not doing it full time. I definitely um, find it very important to take jobs every so often um, just so that I'm still in the loop on things, on the processes that I'm, you know, re-educating myself on, on the business side um, while I'm, you know, actually at the, you know, with the client and the preparations and making sure that you just always know um, so that when you're teaching it or talking about it with somebody, um, you're certain that you're telling them the, <laughs> the right thing. Yeah, uh, and I, I do have some
0: interesting ideas on things I'd like to try with the photography business in the future. Right now, it's just, I've been full force working on trying to grow the, your photos community and kind of you know delve headfirst into uh, search engine optimization and learning as much as I can and offering some services there. So that's been kind of the bulk of my time. But you know as that levels out, I think it will kind of get back into. I want to learn more about uh, mirrorless cameras and uh, I want to try some things like same day edits at weddings and crazy things Ooh, like that just for the fun yeah. of it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I... It's always interesting. I always uh I live very close to um, Vanessa Joy, and whenever I uh, hear her talk about same day edits, and I'm mm-hmm. like, like I think like why do you put yourself through that? But at the same time, <laughs> it's like brilliant business. Your your brides are so happy, the bride's parents are so happy, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a uh, it's a cool thing. It's a really yeah. cool thing, but yes. you definitely have to have a a. a a system in place to do it. Exactly. That's why, that's why I've been thinking about doing it. Cause I'm all about systems with, you know, <laughs> I do. So.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, awesome. So, so let's talk about, uh, let's talk about SEO. Um, we have uh, three different, you know, things we want to talk about here. Yeah. Um, the first is now I, we're calling this episode for photog- uh, photography SEO in 2017. So I want to make sure that we uh, get some juicy stuff for photographers to, to take away from this. Uh, okay. from this episode so that they can really think about and, and analyze what they're doing on their own site and make sure that they're doing it really well this year. Okay, right. So uh, we know that uh, Google changes quite often. So uh, with that, let's talk about three overlooked SEO items that photographers forget. This is, uh, you know, on average, what do, what do you see photographers forgetting when you work with them? Right. And that's one of the things that's really interesting. I, I always have a hard time balancing finding the juicy things that are
0: like really interesting and also yeah. kind of hitting the things that, you know, I might say something that sounds obvious to some people, but other people right. are. And when I look at hundreds of photography sites and I can tell you some of these things are missed on more than 50% of them. I'm like, how do you miss these things? But yeah, I think those, that kind of fits well in this overlooked you know, category. Um, and the first one I think of is having Uh, an address or location on your site because most photographers are trying to rank for uh, location modified keywords like what photographers in columbia south carolina or wherever you're located Um, and if you want to rank for a local keyword like that it helps a lot to have well first of all you need to mention those locations on your site if you're not mentioning it at all, then it's very unlikely for you to show up for that kind of uh, search term because you're not relevant to it. But uh, even if you're mentioning it, a lot of people are not including their address. They're not including their phone number. Um, and that's kind of, I kind of put a second thing, which is contact information. I have been shocked recently, you know, I saw this kind of come in and out and now it's back to a trend. I would even call it where people are not including any contact information on their site, just a contact yeah. Not even an email address, no phone number, no address, nothing, just a contact form. I, I, I've yep. seen a lot, at least recently. And if you are doing that, then not only are your visitors potentially not able to find the method that they prefer to contact you, but search engines can't verify that you're a local business if you're not using location words and you don't have you know, an address or a phone number with an area code that they can say, Oh yeah, this is definitely a legitimate business in that area. So that's, that's kind of the biggest thing.
1: Yeah. You know, I saw a a website this weekend. um, The name of the photographer is one that everybody hopefully will recognize Pete Souza. He is the official white house photographer during the Obama administration. He was also the white house photographer during the Reagan uh, administration. And I was looking at his website, um, just enjoying his past work. And, his website's very minimal. It's a very white site, a side menu on the left of the different categories of images and then a little menu at the top with his, with his name. And I go to his contact page because I'm curious to see what he put in his contact page. Now I'm gonna remind you, this is a very minimal site, very white. When you go to a page, there's nothing on the left. It's just the menu at the top with his name. So you go to his contact page and all it says is his email address in big, big font centered to vertically centered and horizontally centered. So it's just his name and the menu and then his email address. And that's it. Yeah. Now, you know, he makes it very obvious of how he wants people to contact him. So, you know, you don't have to put everything um, of how to contact you, but you need to make sure that there is a way that if it, if you have a contact form, make sure you give another way to, for people to contact you, whether it is, you know, an, the email address to go with it, not clickable, just in text or, you know, your phone number or something. And the more you provide, the better for search engines. Right. Right. You need to have a fallback for your
0: visitors because I see a lot of times right. when someone can't use a form on mobile or something's blocking the, the form uh, whenever they click submit. It doesn't, you know, the, the Ajax or, or JavaScript isn't submitting or something like that. And so in those cases, you need to have uh, some sort of fallback plan right totally cool and what's the third the third thing was uh, alt text and I, i've heard y'all talk about this on the show several times mm-hmm. even recently and yep. um, it is probably the number one thing that i see missing when i do seo audits and i look i, I would say probably 90 percent of photographers are not putting unique <laughs> alt text on every image maybe more than that yeah. it, very, very few photographers who actually use alt text correctly. They may put something in, and often it's the file name, especially for a long time when WordPress was doing that automatically, just using the file name as the alt text. Or, uh, you know, they may put one keyword and just repeat it over and over for the alt text. But using unique alt text for every photo is something that I almost never see on photography sites.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we can talk for, we can do a whole episode on just alt text, and maybe we will one day, but um like maybe what we need to do one day is is do a submission and we get everybody to submit um we get listeners to submit photos and we create alt text for them yep. so that they I actually get, get a them. good idea what was that? Yeah,
0: a lot of times what I'll do is if I'm trying to explain this I'll tell you like theoretically what you're supposed to do for alt text and they'll be like get it and then I'll like pull up their site and I'll just start going down the list and I'll say here's what you would do for this photo and this photo and then they would be oh okay well that's easy it's actually not yeah. hard at all and really, you know, just really quick, the, the best way to do it is to describe the photo as if someone were blind or sitting across the room not looking and you wanted them to know exactly what's in the photo, but they can only hear it through words. And so how do you, you describe a photo? Um, and, you know, as far as like SEO, a lot of people are like, well, shouldn't I be using my keywords? And I'm like, well, yes, if it makes sense to use your keywords, then use them and try to be intentional about it. And that's the thing about SEO is often it's not about like just stuffing in things where they're not natural, but it's about thinking about your keywords and using them intentionally whenever the opportunity arises. And with alt text, what really happens often is photographers, they do like these minimal sites that don't have very much on them. And so there's not much content. There's not much text content right. on the page, but alt text is uh crawlable like text. And so it can add to the content of the page. And it also adds a lot of, uh, semantic keywords, so other related things. So if you have a blog post about a, a wedding, then Google is going to say, well, what clues do we have that this blog post is about a wedding? And if you don't have much text, then it's going to look in the photos and the alt text and it's going to say, do I see things like dress, rings, cake, bride, groom, like these words that are obviously wedding words? If it sees those and says, yep, check, this
1: is definitely a wedding post. So
0: it's kind of a, yeah. a way to verify the subject.
1: Totally. Yeah, it's so important. And, you know, hopefully 2017 is the year that photographers get in their heads that they need to do this. (laughs) Very tedious. but It's worth it. Yeah, it totally is. Um, So, uh, as I said before, um, Google is changing their algorithms so often. And, um, you know, by the time that this episode airs, which is in like three days, it's going to have another change. It's inevitable. <laughs> you know, what the change is, we won't know. But that's how often it changes. And uh, so let's talk about, now, One, one as a, a preface to this, um, I can't stand it when I see uh, websites, whether the photographer did it or their web designer did it, when they're trying to mask text using uh, white color text that's spanned with keywords on a white background. Now, this is something that Google has frowned upon and Bing has frowned upon for years. Yeah. Right? So, so let's talk More about
0: let's see people doing that.
1: <laughs> oh man, I can't stand <laughs> it when I see it. And, and sometimes they get away with it, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about things that photographers should not be doing in 2017. Now okay. that what I just mentioned is something that's been going on for years. Like I said, let's talk about 2017. What should photographers not do?
0: Okay, so some of these things are are, that I have written down are still kind of general and like have been for a while, but you know, I think some of these are very uh, relevant to right now. And so I'll start with the first one is um, attempting to do advanced moves or changes without help from either someone who really understands SEO or your hosting company or something like that. Uh, And I say that's relevant right now, especially because of this big deal that's kind of going on with. SSL and HTTPS and a lot of people are switching by using some kind of plugin or you know they're just checking a box somewhere and they don't have the guidance that they need to do the proper redirects or to go into search console and change the way that the URLs are displayed in Google or they don't um, they don't realize that there's going to be broken links or broken tracking or you know all these things that can happen whenever you switch not only I mean You know, SSL is one example, but there's anytime you switch from one platform to another or um, when you're doing anything that that changes a lot of pages or you have to have redirects in place. A lot of people are trying to do this because there's a plugin out there that says, oh, we'll do it for you. And they just check a box or even some hosting companies that I've seen have like on this kind of thing. And so even whenever you have someone who is doing it, it can be good to have some verification from either someone that you trust who knows seo or you know read some articles out there and see like what the process is currently and then um ask questions whenever someone is helping you do it say well how are you going to do this so that you know you know what's going to happen before everything gets started i would say that's a big deal in 2017 i think we're going to see more and more people um breaking their sites i, I saw i actually worked with someone today who uh, was on Squarespace. And I know we're not supposed to talk about Squarespace, <laughs> but um, they did a big switch to um, HTTPS on all of their sites. And he didn't go in and fix the things that he needed to do in Google, and it was causing mismatched results, and it was just a reporting problem and potentially a ranking problem. So right. there's a lot of that stuff going on.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I um, just as, just last week, I uh, finished up a migration from Squarespace to the uh, Imagely hosting platform. and this was a big project because it was photographer at two different sites. One was on Squarespace and one was on WordPress, but the WordPress was a very outdated blog with about 400 articles. Now, uh, when you're moving from WordPress to WordPress, it's very easy, yep. very easy uh, for, uh, for hosting company. It's very easy. Yes. Um, not for the average photographer. Uh, However, Squarespace is not an, easy mig- not an easy migration. We've talked about this many times on the, on the podcast. Yeah. Um, so the URL structure that Squarespace was using was very odd for this site. I don't know if it was intentional, if the photographer chose it or what. So I had to do a lot of redirects. Not only did I have to do redirects from Squarespace, the, the URL from Squarespace, the Squarespace URL to the WordPress URL, but I also had to switch from HTTP to HTTPS. So there was a whole bunch of... Um, Again, this is going to be technical. It, there's an HD access file that is a hidden file that your server looks at to determine if there's uh, what certain, certain tasks that should be done, like redirects. And there's a really crazy-looking, super-technical redirect that is com- um, using something called regex. Um, sorry if this is going over your head, people who are listening, <laughs> but um, basically this is converting that, that, that one URL that was on Squarespace to the new URL without any issues. And it was doing it dynamically for I only had to do the script once and every URL was, was migrated. So that's um, just one of the good example of, you know, if this person tried to do this on her own, it would have been a fail because that was difficult. Big time. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I've seen you talking about that before. And, and that's one of the things, one of the reasons I feel so comfortable recommending image because I know that you're going to pay attention to those kinds of things, but I'm not going to name names. I've had several recently who have some other hosting company and they, um, they've moved it and I went back and checked and I'm like, what what happened here? They didn't do this right at all. And so I think it's one of those potentially trust but verify kind of things. Go back in afterwards anytime you do a move and check the URLs. Go back in Google and do a site colon search and see what's indexed and click on things and see if they are redirecting to where they're supposed to be and those kinds of things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What else? What else should the photographers not be doing this year? Uh so uh, maybe this was in 2012 instead of 2017, but
0: having multiple domains or platforms or sites, and you just talked about one where they had WordPress and Squarespace, but even right now, I'm still seeing quite a few people who still have a uh, a WordPress site and a separate WordPress blog. And right. they're on they're either separate WordPress installs on the same domain or a separate domain for the blog, or people have like, and this can potentially be, Legit, like they could need this, but sometimes people have multiple uh, websites for different specialties. So if they have like a, a boudoir and wedding and children, they might have three separate websites. And I usually don't recommend that kind of thing either. Okay. Um, and
1: so I, I I usually only recommend doing different when it's drastically different. Like I have a friend who is um, going to start bring back graphic design back into his business, so he's going to make a separate graphic design from his photography because that. It's, that's, like, that's a whole other business. Um, yeah. I mean, I I've seen it. Here in the South,
0: um, there are some people who, uh, you know, if you're doing wedding photography and you do very traditional wedding photography and you started putting boudoir up on your site, you would have some mothers of brides who wouldn't even think about calling you. And right. so there were some, like, taboo issues, and, and I think that's going away more and more. Um, and so I've seen things like that and there's even some SEO advantages sometimes in very specific cases where you might have like a really big advantage. If you set up a new site, it's very rare though. In most cases it's best to kind of build your authority under one brand, one name. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. There's you know, and, and, um, I, I've said this before. Like if you, there's a lot of people who have a smug mugs, um, site for their, for their galleries and then a WordPress site and blog. For the rest, right? And um, beyond just the SEO issues that could arise from that, there's complexity of now you have multiple places to log into, right? So that adds more complexity for your business. But then there's also the branding aspect. You could hire somebody to make your SmugMug site or your Zenfolio site or your photo shelter site look similar to your WordPress site, but it will never be exact. So there's right. a branding issue that comes up as well. Beyond just the SEO, there's <laughs> You know,
0: brand, but also consistency of navigation. You know, having slightly different navigation can be very disorienting to people.
1: Yeah, or if your site um, has, let's say, Typekit fonts, but your Smug Mug site only has standard web fonts, now your your whole font system is going to change, your typography is going to change, and that's going to look odd. Right. So there's a lot of a lot of things that are a lot of downsides having cross platform. So yeah.
0: And something else that I've been seeing that is kind of uh, it's, it's, I think it's, it's really important to 2017 because of all of the options out there. And I've seen people trying to install multiple versions or multiple plugins that do the same job. And I think that, like I said, that happens because, you know, there are a plethora of options for every kind of, I mean, you just talked about how y'all made the Lightroom plugin at the same time, Jetpacks are releasing a Lightroom plugin and, and sometimes they can be complimentary, but in most cases that I'm seeing, uh, especially right. for things yeah. like SEO or for caching or for um, image compression, I've seen people put... Oh, like God. <laughs> ...on one site. And I'm like, yeah. you know, this is, this is terrible for SEO. It's terrible for your site. It's And, you know, it's going to cause problems. So, uh, but that's especially... And when we're talking about SEO, I've seen people trying to use something like all-in-one and Yoast or they yeah. might install something like squirrely or there's several others um, that are yeah. out there and people are trying to install multiples at the same time, because honestly some of them do have some cool little features that you might like one little thing that, that Yoast does and one little thing that um, squirrely does. I'm I, I mentioning squirrely probably most people have never even heard of it, but it's got some right. cool things. Uh, and so I, I just you know, can't stress enough, it's so important. And, and even some themes have built-in SEO options that need to be disabled, uh, especially like ProPhoto has uh, on the pre-version 6, they would leave SEO options enabled even with um, like something like Yoast and you have a lot of conflicts and stuff like that. So. Yeah.
1: yeah, so uh, and on that note, it's worth mentioning that usually a well-coded theme or plugin will adapt to when a popular plugin is installed that does something that's complementary or, or identical. So, yeah. for example, um, the Genesis theme, which has an SEO features built in, will hide and disable the SEO features when Yoast SEO is active. Yeah.
0: And they did the so, same thing in ProPhoto 6. And now when you go to it, it'll say, oh, we detected um, Yoast and it'll disable it, which is how it should work.
1: Um, the, another thing that is, that is nice is uh, the social sharing plugin that I use, which is called Social Warfare, has open graph features, just like Yoast SEO has open graph features. Right. And um, what uh, Social Warfare does, and they say this in their marketing materials, is they will not hide their open graph. What they do is they utilize what Yoast, they don't override Yoast, right. they, they will um, just not do anything if Yoast is in, is in action. But if you manually um, replace, let's say, the Twitter image being used, then in Social Warfare, it will then override the Yoast one. Right. So yeah. it complements. It doesn't butt heads. It works together with Yoast, which is, nice, which is a really nice thing. Yep. Um, so as far as caching plugins go, um, that could be actually dangerous territory. That could be a site-breaking thing Yep, uh, sure. if you, so this is be way beyond SEO at this point. Uh, this is like, you could crash your site, uh, and cause damage if you yeah. install caching plugins on top of caching plugins. So
0: it's yeah, funny. I had a guy just a couple days ago who had two caching plugins and nothing was wrong with the site. It all worked like he thought it <laughs> should be working. And then he disabled one of them and it crashed the site. So, what yeah. happened is it like going back to the HD access? Like, or actually, this was in WP Config. Both had written something there, and one overrid overrid overrode the other. And oh. uh, whenever he disabled one, the old settings came back, and like just weird stuff like that can happen when you try to install yeah. and install
1: multiple plugins. And you mentioned um, image compression. Um, one one thing that I've seen time and time again is I'm constantly recommending JPEG Mini Pro to photographers. Right. Because I love the fact that I can just, you know, use it in my workflow, and it's it's actually the most powerful um, uh, image compression algorithm out there. There is there is none that's better. And um, well, have you seen the new thing Google put out recently? It's not it's not fully released yet, but it's
0: looking really good. Whenever it comes, <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but we'll see. Yeah. Um.
1: <laughs> so so the reason why I brought this up is is because there are a lot of image compression plugins that will over-optimize, will over-compress. So if you compress in JPEG Mini, for example, or anything on your desktop, and then upload to your website, a lot of these image compression plugins will actually recompress what's already compressed and wind up, yes, saving you file size, which is great for SEO, but it'll make your image potentially look horrible. Um, Typically, at that point, you're saving a few kilobytes, if that. And Google will usually even still tell you that
0: you should... or maybe that you should consider optimizing images if you only have a couple of kilobytes, like if you've already done it in JPEG Mini, Uh, they'll still recommend optimizing. But I had someone
1: ask me, should I re-optimize? And usually the answer is no if you've already gone through JPEG Mini. Exactly, exactly. So um, I've tested a lot of the image compression plugins and um, the one that I've seen that will not um, compress beyond JPEG Mini is actually Imageify. Right, it's it's made by the people who make WP Rocket Cache, um, and it's uh, I actually use it on my site alongside using JPEG Mini Pro on my desktop, just because I know that you know um, if I happen to miss an image, it'll compress it nicely, but it won't destroy <laughs> a photo of mine that has already gone through JPEG Mini Pro. So, cool. um, yeah, so that's another another thing about you know don't don't overdo it with that. So great, so. Um, There's a lot of stuff that photographers should not be doing. Let's talk about some of the things that photographers should be doing in 2017 because there's a lot, and Google is changing, and there's a few things that are super important now um, that have started becoming important in 2016, and 2017 is going to be almost crucial. (laughs) So
0: So when you say that, the first thing that comes to my mind is mobile, and uh, it's been a big deal for years now. Well, you know, at least a few years where they've been talking about it, and I believe 2017 is going to be the year when, like, the, the the scale tips with mobile. And, well, they've already started with mobile first index. And this is kind of the biggest thing that's a change. You know, a lot of people talk about Google changing a lot. And for the most part, if you are doing the right core things, not that much changes because the Google's point is – always to try to optimize for the best user experience. And so their algorithms change to always try to uh, present the results that people want to see the most. But sometimes there are major changes and and mobile first is one of them. And so even even that, they're saying, they say, uh, the, the Google reps who are willing to talk about this or who are allowed to talk about this have said things like, well, it probably won't be that much of a big deal for most sites. And, and remember when you were uh, doing the introduction, you said that some things are misinterpreted or not specifically for photographers. And this is one of the times where I'm going to make a prediction that this mobile first index is going to be a big deal inside of the photography industry. So across all sites, it might not be quite as big of a deal. But what's going to happen in the photography industry is that uh, there are still so many sites that are not mobile friendly, not even that are not responsive, but they are just not mobile friendly at all. And uh, what I've seen is that sometimes these these pages are still ranking on the first page, second page of Google, and they've just been kind of hanging out there because they have so much authority backing them, because um, they've been around for a long time, or they have tons of links, or they have lots of social signals, or really strong local relevance, or something like that. And I believe that that the mobile friendly uh, is going to that, that factor is going to start to be strong enough to pull some of those um, sites back down if they don't update. So uh, that's, that's a thought on that. So man, we could talk, we could easily have two or three episodes on just (laughs) uh, mobile friendly. But the point is uh, your site, it has to be mobile friendly at least and it really should be responsive. And and that's from Google. They say that they prefer responsive over like a separate mobile friendly um, version and it, you should. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can check. You can easily use the Google um, Mobile Friendly Test. I'm sure Scott's going to leave a link to that, yep. uh, and you know that's a great way to kind of get started. But I've even found that sometimes that you will pass the Mobile Friendly Test and still have a site that's really hard to use on mobile. Usually not. They'll check yep. most of the things. Um, but sometimes it happens, and so it's really important that you also look on a mobile device and on several mobile devices and have other people look on mobile devices and see not only does my site load, but uh, is it easy to use? Can people do the thing that they're trying to do on the site quickly and easily on a mobile
1: device? I usually uh, tell people, go to an Apple store, go to a Microsoft store, and go to a cell phone carrier and test it on Android. Microsoft, Windows phones, and iPhones. Yeah, that's uh, cool. and then of course, if you have access to tablets, there too, on tablets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So that way, you're getting your hands dirty by actually testing it beyond just Google's mobile friendly tester. You know something interesting that just made me think about. You mentioned
0: tablets, and often tablets are kind of like the third. They're kind of like the mm-hmm. red child. Like we think about desktop, we think about. Um, an iPhone or like a a small phone and we kind of leave out tablets. But every, I shouldn't say every, most of the photography sites that I have paid attention to the traffic on all different types of devices, uh, tablets are usually really well-performing traffic. Uh, They have really low bounce rates and uh, more pages per site. And for some reason, people on tablets often uh, really interact well with photographers sites. And so I would say, I have theories on why that is and all that, but I would say it's, it's important to look and see how your side looks on a tablet.
1: Yeah, I have some theories on that too, just from like just human experience with doing things on a phone versus a tablet. Um, if you don't have a, a, a full computer around, I find that um, I I don't want to do things on a phone that it's just too small. Right. That a yeah. tablet gives you a little bit more of a flexibility if you don't have a computer around to to really have the full, a full system. Um, It's that
0: idea that I want to sit on the couch and watch TV while I look at this and I don't have to have a huge computer on me or whatever, but um, it gives you, and people want to look at pictures on a photographer's site, right? That's usually kind of the point. And so it makes it much easier. So maybe that's kind of, they're in that mindset of like, I want to look at pictures. I want to explore. And that is why they're interacting. My sites are usually somewhere between like five and 8% uh, mobile, I mean, uh, tablet traffic, but that 5 to 8% usually has a higher conversion rate than, than the others on it. I mean, if you level it out. so
1: Nice. Cool. What else should photographers be doing the, in the new year? Okay, so this is uh, it's
0: kind of an interesting thing. I, I said pay attention to branded search. And this is something that I'm seeing more and more where people are uh, really researching photographers by typing in their brand. And I think this is kind of had an uptick in the past few years because of Facebook groups. And I think a lot of people are in Facebook groups and they ask for referrals and they'll get back 20 or 30 names of photographers. And then they'll oh, yeah. type those names into Google to see where to contact that photographer to learn more about that photographer. And uh, most of the time, whenever I look at uh, when I do an offsite audit, when I look at the SERPs for, or the search engine results for uh, photographers' names. I just type their name in, they'll show up in the first spot um, pretty pretty regularly. But a lot of photographers have business names that are commonly used. Either they use their name and it's a very common name, like John Smith Photography, and you know there's gonna be dozens <laughs> of uh or they have some generic name like you know, My Memories or My Special Moments or something like that, where there's yeah. 10 or 15 photographers who've used that name. And uh, so it's important that you pay attention to your name
1: and what happens whenever someone searches for your name. And, and, and that, that's also sort of where um, local SEO comes into play as well. Because if somebody's searching for a name and they happen to be in Columbia, South Carolina, that, the, the, that person's probably going to get a result from somebody with that John Smith photography name local to where they're searching from very true so
0: as long as there's local signals like i said earlier make sure that you exactly. have things on your site so yep yeah I, I would say that's it's extremely important right now to focus on your brand and uh, that's another thing that i see a lot of people leaving out is they don't mention their brand their name in text on their site or in their titles uh, most people do but there's still quite a few that i see that don't so i think that's important yep. right And I've actually even seen examples where uh, a photography brand is outranking the main term. So I was looking in like wedding photographers in Orlando and there were more people who searched for like one specific photographer than for one of the um, main head terms
1: that I was looking for. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. So Hmm. it happens a lot. Yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting. Um, The next one I think is probably one of my favorites because I always uh, challenge photographers when I when I talk about SEO in public at in workshops and and uh, conferences and whatnot, I usually give this challenge to to do exactly what you're about to say. <laughs> to write, so, to write, to write more. Yeah, and photographers don't
0: like that. They don't. A lot of photographers are just kind of in that mindset. Like, I want to be creative, and I don't want to write or. They just don't like the way it looks. It kind of ruins the aesthetic. I mean, the whole thing with Instagram and the hashtags, we like drop them down with periods so people can't see them anymore because it's ugly. And that's how people feel about their websites. They're like, I don't want text on my site because that makes it look ugly. And uh, the fact is, it doesn't have to. If you're intentional about it and you're smart with the text that you're using and where you're using it, it can be extremely helpful. I think your text needs to back up your photos and your photos need to back up your text because different people are going to look at different elements uh, whenever they're looking at your site. But something that I always talk about when I talk to photographers about this is like a print competition. And if you've ever been to a print competition, especially like the PPA um, type or, you know, even what they do, I haven't been to one at WPI, but those types of print competitions where they put a print on a screen in front of a panel of judges Uh, What happens during that competition is that they read the name of the print before it flips around. And uh, what, when you really start getting into competition and how to compete, um, one of the, the, the first element is impact and the name has an opportunity to change the mind of the viewer. And so what happens is whenever you say that name and then you put that photo, it puts an idea in their head. And this is also true. I'm kind of talking about more like psychology and um, conversion and stuff like that. But it's also so important for search engines, you know, and they need to be able to see um, text that that can set the idea for what's on the page. And so I think that's that's extremely important Uh, and, and not just like big titles at the top of your pages, but also in in your blog post. And, and I think that this, again, it's, it's for SEO. Sure. But it's also mm-hmm. for people because if I can tell a story about um, let's say I, I'm a wedding photographer. So I'm gonna tell a story about a wedding in a compelling way that uh, brings to light the connection between the couple in a way that maybe they didn't even realize on their wedding day or their family and friends who went, they didn't see it when, when they went. But now that I said it that way and I showed them the pictures to prove it, like, wow, that I connect with. And whenever people connect with something like that, that's what makes it interesting to share. And so I think that photos are so, and words for your photos are so important for not just search engines, but also
1: for people actually connecting with your photos. And so uh, whenever we talk about um, writing for blogs and we talk about photographers who uh, are scared of it or just don't feel the... Like they can do it or they don't have the time to do it. We usually recommend Photoscribe, which is uh, Rachel's company. Because uh, yep. that's exactly what they do. They, they, do, um, they create content for photographers. And uh, they do it for a lot of photographers. They do it really well. And they have a really great system in place to make it easy on the photographer to, to um, get Photoscribe started uh, with the direction of the content. and they implement it for you. So um, if you want to check it out, we'll have that linked in the show notes as well. You can check out photoscribe. And just uh, one so this is great. Um, was on
0: the homepage is that if you look at kind of the average across the, the photography industry, the average first, uh, first page result homepage has 500 to a thousand words. So just a little stat for you. Cause most people have, you
1: know, they have like a few hundred and they're like, well, this is plenty. Right. And you know, it, it could be more. Oh yeah. Could be, but that's for sure. Um, so um, that's really great stuff. We now know uh, a lot of things to look out for in 2017. Both things you shouldn't be doing and should be doing. Um, some of, you'll you now know some of the overlooked uh, things that you might have on your site that you should address uh, in this new year. Uh, so let's dive into the uh, recommended WordPress plugins or themes. You can talk about whatever plugins and themes that you enjoy using for you, for your clients, and, uh, and and we'll get that linked up in the show notes. So, so what, uh, what do you like?
0: Okay, so I'm going to actually, um, just for the sake of being different, uh, because I know Yoast gets mentioned pretty much every single time, I'm going to actually <laughs> bring up a different SEO plugin for anyone who might be a little bit more advanced, um, because I've actually been really enjoying a plugin called the SEO Framework. And it does pretty much all the same things that Yoast or All-in-One or any of the other plugins would do. It just is a more minimal interface and it makes it, if you already know what you're looking for and know what you're doing, it does all the same things and just makes it simpler. Uh, It still has kind of some lights that give you warnings on things, but not to the extent that Yoast does. So if you're kind of a basic uh, or a beginner with SEO, I still recommend Yoast, but if you're more advanced, uh, it does potentially take some of the bulk out of uh, your site and, and out of the back end as far as like making it prettier and easier and your, your things may load a little bit faster. I think Yoast is really good, but uh, it's just an interesting
1: alternative. Yeah, that's been talked a lot in the, uh, the advanced uh, WordPress groups. There's been some interesting debates about whether which, is, which actually is more efficient. Uh, and like you said, the feature set's very similar um, some of the tests that people have done have shown that uh, Yoast is actually faster on your site. Interesting. Um, but others have found that they like the interface better of SEO framework because it doesn't have all the advertisements that Yoast has.
0: Right. I've actually seen a lot more people who have said that the, that Yoast was slower, but I'm sure it kind of depends on exactly which parts of it you're using. And, and also Yoast had some big updates in the past year. And so mm-hmm. a lot of people kind of got down on Yoast because they... Uh, drop the ball one time and they fix it quickly uh, within a few days yeah. and I mean, it crashed some people's sites and people got yeah. really distrusted. Yoast. But I I've been impressed with uh, Juice and his comments in the groups um, and,
1: kind of,
0: and Yoast. He's a really cool guy.
1: Yeah, he is. Cool. What other what else do you like uh, in the WordPress side? So another really random plugin is called nested pages. And
0: mm-hmm. uh, it's something that I use for organizing my pages. It lets you Kind of pull them down under other pages and organize like uh, what what's a child of what if you have that kind of thing and it lets you kind of clone pages really fast and if you even want to clone multiple pages at the same time there's a lot of cool little uh, features for I guess that's also something that's helpful for someone like me who has sites that need to add multiple pages at the same time and most photographers probably wouldn't but it is it, so nice on the back end it just looks nice and it's easy to see where all your pages and posts are.
1: Awesome. Yeah, that's one I've never I've uh, never needed to use but um it's I'm I've always been intrigued by it so I might wind up installing it and just playing with it just to, just to just to take a look. So and we'll link to that one in the show notes as well. Um what else Do you, any any others you want to talk about or Yes, the other a- thing actually all because of you, Scott. <laughs>
0: um I <laughs> I've been using Divi for a long time and there are still things I really love about Divi. I'm still using it on a couple of my sites right now. Um, But I also kind of know Divi very well. And so I know some things I can turn off and ways that I can make it work. Well, Uh, there's some things I haven't liked about it. And I've really been thinking about the future of websites and how they're going and even the future of WordPress and where it's going And uh, so that's led me to try out some new themes and and plugins. Uh, I've really been enjoying Elementor Pro uh, as a page builder. And that was one of the top rated in the um, page builder plugin uh, review that uh, we worked on. And it's still young. I still think after putting it through its paces that uh, it's not as full featured as Divi for sure, but it can do a lot of the same things and a few things that it can do, I think are even better than Divi, especially if you have a blog heavy site. Um, Some of the blog layouts that it has built in are really nice. And some of the image slider things that it has built in are kind of cool. uh, If you want really, really minimal images. Um, So anyway, I'm really liking Elementor Pro and I've been using it with generate press um, and I'm using the pro version of that as well. Uh, And and so, you know, you talk about Genesis a lot and I actually do really like Genesis. Uh, I just ended up going with, Generate Press because for one they have a free version and it was easy for me to get in and kind of play with it. But it's right. it's a very similar theme to Genesis and the fact that it's built for developers has lots of hooks and ways to customize it. But it's also very basic and you kind of have to build on it. So I don't know if I'd recommend it for most photographers, but photographers. But if you want something really simple and lightweight, if you put those two together, you can build a lot really easily.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would definitely say if you're gonna use Generate Press Pro. Um, unless you know how to create a trial theme you're going to want to use that with a page builder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is, it's just like genesis if, you, if you're going to use Genesis, it's either use it with a child theme or use it with a page builder. Um, so <laughs> that's great. yeah, Generate press uh, pro is great in fact it's actually a theme that um, whenever in the Genesis community, because there's a lot of online communities for Genesis users and developers um, it's actually recommended as for people who want a similar theme that's free generate press pro uh, generate press. I should say the free version is what a lot of Genesis community um, recommends. So, (laughs) so it's It's a really good one. So um, awesome. Anything, uh, anything you want to, any final thought you want to share with the listeners, any big takeaway you want to provide or, or anything you want to close up with?
0: Well, I think that, you know, we we talked about some things, but SEO is one of those topics where you really could talk about it for a very long time. And so, um, you know, the the technical things and all the little pieces of SEO are important. I think I've been really kind of moving more towards trying to teach people the concepts that really uh, focus on usability. And so I'm thinking about how do I make my site, A, the most relevant result, and B, the you know just kind of the the best option that lets people do exactly what they came to do and people are usually trying to to complete a to-do list item when they're looking at a photography website and so you know thinking about just how your site works and how people use it is the first thing that i want to drive home but then there are a lot of technical things and so i i try to write about those as well on the Your photos blog and um, the seo um the SEO guide that I wrote on the Feel Your Photos site has a lot of those kind of technical things. And, uh, and so, you know, there's, there's a lot out there. There's a lot to talk about. And so it's, it's because of the changes that are happening all the time, it's best to think about kind of the big picture. If you can think about how you make your site the most relevant and the best for the people who are trying to find it, you'll always come out on top and then you start worrying
1: about tweaking the little things. Awesome. It's great stuff. Um, and we are definitely going to have you back on, you know, talk about other stuff in the future, of course. Um, and uh, I know that you're working on a lot of cool stuff that uh, you'll be able to share down the road and we'll make sure that uh, the, the community, you know, hears about that too. So um, be sure to, and we're going to link to, to Corey's uh, Facebook group. I want to make sure that everybody who's listening joins that Facebook group because It's uh, a lot of great discussions about so many different topics that will benefit your site, like uh, like SEO and conversion optimization and things like that. Um, Corey also is doing um, here and there. He's and I think you're ramping it up this year, right? You're you're doing a lot of website reviews and things like that. I am Um, right live on Facebook, too.
0: Right. Yeah. I'm doing them uh, on YouTube right now. Um, Right. right. Yes. I I have those available. You can find out there on the site or in the group.
1: So you definitely want to make sure you join the group and and try to get it on one of those because uh, you might learn some stuff about your site that you did not know before. (laughs) um, Cool. Uh, Well, thank you, Corey, for joining us today. Uh, You've been a great uh, guest and co-host because Rachel's not here. Um, (laughs) uh, So you can find the show notes and where to find Corey at imagely.com slash podcast slash 32. So thank you again. And until next time. Bye.